Welcome back to Netflix and Kill, the podcast dedicated to reviewing and documenting the horror films of Netflix. I'm Kai. I'm Marty. I'm Hannah. And it is once again Pride Month. Welcome back. Woo! We survived another year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think we're all a little bit gayer for it. Yes. Yes. All of that repressed- Last year was Nightmare on Elm Street 1, but this year is Nightmare on Elm Street 2. We're all a little shaken up, but we're all pretty gay, and we're ready to talk about it. Yes. Um, yeah, I think this- So, uh, last year I know we did something a little bit different with our format. Um, this year we're just returning to the normal, like, talking about horror movies that- I'm trying to find some that are, like, explicitly LGBT, or, like, have- a director or writer or actor involved who is LGBT. Um, but we might end up picking some that just have heavy subtext. So yeah. we shall see. Um, yeah, so for our first film, we are talking about A Nightmare on Elm Street 2. This is notable for us because we have not talked about A Nightmare on Elm Street 1 for our podcast before. Nope. Um, <laughs> but honestly... Going right into the gay stuff. Yeah, like, this is made- I don't know if this is a popular or unpopular opinion, but I honestly, like, don't think the first Nightmare on Elm Street is that good. Um, it's alright. I mean, like, I don't yeah, think I mean, it's, it's the best one out of the bad. series. Yeah, like, it's not- I'm not saying, like, I dislike it. I just, like, it's not- it doesn't stand out that much to me. Versus, like, the second one really stands out and is very memorable. And, um... The third so, one is really yeah. good, too. I've never seen the third one. The Dream Warriors ones get, like, really kind of, uh, um, like, they're all, like, a team. There's, like, a team of kids who, like, fight Freddy, and it's, like, really kind of silly. Okay, that sounds amazing. Super cute. Yeah. I honestly kind of love how long this series goes and how wacky they get. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I think that's a lot of fun. Um, I like Freddy versus Jason. (laughs) Oh, I, I like. I do not. <laughs> I, I like the the Nightmare on Elm Street movie. I think the the imagery is really good, and I think the tone is great. And I really like Nancy Thompson as a main character. Um, I, but this also is the benefit of. I feel like there's the big three in horror. There's Michael Myers. There's Freddy. And there's Jason. And I do not like any Friday the Thirteenth movie that I have seen, other than one scene in Jason X. Um, <laughs> Same. I just. I hate. <laughs> Friday the 13th film so much. Yeah, and I, I think that very good. Same. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, um, but yeah. I, I don't mind the first one just because at least it was trying to do something a little different with, like, the way the the killer is, like, a subversion of, you know, who you think it will be. Um, But... For the most part, it's still pretty, like, cheesy, and then, like, they just end up bringing Jason into the second one for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of beef with the Friday 13th series, um, which I would love to cover them at some point. Maybe not all of them, because that's, like, too many movies to watch, but, like, you know, maybe the first few. Um, Can we do that Saw thing where you and Marty watch them, but I don't have to? <laughs> Yeah, why not? Just explain to me what happened, because every time I've tried to watch a Friday the 13th movie, I zone out, 
And I think my brain goes on like that intermission scene from Monty Python until the end of the movie when it comes back. I mean, honestly, mm. kind of same. Like Marty and I tried at one point to watch all of them and we got through number six and then we just gave up because like, yeah, was, uh, yeah, they were bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we're not here to talk about Jason. We're here to talk about Freddy. And yeah, we're here to talk about Freddy and how uh, he was inside a man. Yeah. Literally. Um, <laughs> so I guess like to, to just start out, because there might be a little bit of debate about this, because like I had said at the start of the show that I want to talk about movies that are explicitly queer, and some people might say, well, well, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is not explicitly gay. He doesn't kiss another guy. But I... I I beg to differ, honestly. Like, everyone says this film has subtext. I do not think it is subtext. Like, it's pretty clear and given, so... Well, the the other thing is, like, the main character is played by a gay man, so... Yeah. Technically, it falls under, like, the what, what we, like, already set out our guidelines to be, so... Yeah, I was just about to say that. I think the actor was, like... I'm basically in a scene that is mirroring Bukake. There is no <laughs> subtext to be seen. Mm-hmm. It's just one big loud text. Oh, um, also, like, they, like, have a scene in a gay club, so... And they say their coach is gay. Yeah. yeah that's true. Um, yeah, I so... I will say, maybe we should do a... a I don't know, a trigger warning, because I, I want to talk about, like the kind of representation this is and because it's so complicated because I did some research about like how the actor was treated and how it was received by audiences and like the legacy it has left since and I find this movie to be so interesting and gray but it may get to talk about uh certain sensitive subjects especially to people who are gay and have experienced being in the closet or oppression and stuff like that yeah. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I think that's definitely an important thing to note. Um you know, this movie did come out in the 80s and um the AIDS crisis was a thing and everyone blames gay men for that. And um I think that the sense of like societal homophobia that was rampant at that time definitely shows in the in the media of that time. Mm-hmm. Um I have seen very few films from the 80s that are just, like, a completely positive representation of LGBT identity. Mm-hmm. Like, even yeah. the ones made by gay men, like, there's been, like, a little bit of meddling by people to, like, make it not so explicit. Yeah. Um, um, and, you know, I think that there is something to be said for reclaiming that. So, like, everyone's going to have different opinions about this, and I think that, you know, obviously, like, however you feel about it is completely understandable, Um, but I tend to personally lean more towards, like, reclaiming things, Mm -hmm. Um, because, I don't know, I don't know why, I can't explain it, that's just who I am. There's power Um, in, like, saying, you know or like embracing the flaws of a person or media um yeah especially I like guess... if it's kind of about you <laughs> well, yeah we forget that 
we've come very far in terms of queer representation in media, especially in children's cartoons and the positive representations of it. But we do forget gay marriage was legalized less than a decade ago. Yeah, it was and legalized in 2015. That, that was six years ago. Yeah, and during uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, I'm I'm trying to think what was the... Oh, um, being homosexual was removed from the DSL, I think? Uh, oh, no, the DSM. The, the DSM. Yeah, the DSM as a mental disorder less than 10 years before this movie had come out. And the AIDS epidemic. So talking about this stuff is always very hard because it is very new and very fresh. And when you're dealing with new ideas, you're gonna fuck up. This one is... Uh, is specifically interesting because from what I, I have researched, I think it was written by a straight man. And the impact on the gay actor's life has been so wild because in the, the shooting of this film, he was in the closet. And yeah. the writers kept pushing the subtext further and further and further. And he was really worried that this was going to ruin his career. And he was kind of right. Like, he yeah. stopped acting briefly after this film because they blamed the the poor reception of the gay s subtext, I say in quotes, on him because he was gay and they pretty much mm -hmm. outed him without his consent. And then yeah. he went on to have a wonderful life as a landscape architect. He got married and he was lived a very happy life. And then he found out that the queer community had kind of rallied around him in this film and his struggle because his performance is fantastic. And he's kind of, I think he made a documentary about his experiences in this movie and what it feels like to go through those things as a gay man mm -hmm. through the AIDS crisis, as you become um, outed publicly without your consent, as people gaslight you and saying, no, it's not gay at all. And then, yes, it is gay and it's your fault. And it's like, it, this man has gone through so much and I really want to see the documentary he's made because he, he sounds like a wonderful person. Mm -hmm. um, for yeah. the audience, if you want to go check that out, it's called Scream Queen. Thank is, you. is that on Shutter? I think no. it is. It says Shutter exclusive. Oh, yes, it is on Shutter. Okay. Fantastic. Then, um, yes, for those of you in our audience who want to check that movie out, it is on Shutter. I have not seen it yet, but I definitely plan to watch it because I think mm -hmm. that um, hearing that actor's perspective is really important, like, especially after the way he was silenced and talked over. Um, yeah. I think it's really wonderful that he finally gets a chance to express how he feels about the whole thing yeah so yeah, i guess well, oh, oh sorry go ahead well and it's just it's really interesting because a lot of the media we consume when we're younger problematic or no the fact that we still see ourselves in these characters like i i love buffy the vampire slayer but it's problematic as hell but the fact that you still see that imagery and you feel that that it's being acknowledged in some way that that can be validating for some people, even if it's horribly, like, you know, at the end of the day, like, misogynistic or uh, sexist or homophobic. Like, you still see that recognition and it touches something in you. And that can be, that can be something so powerful for someone, especially if you have literally no other context for what you're going through. And you see, like, this kid go through these struggles with Freddy Krueger and realize, oh my god, that is how I'm feeling. That can, that can unlock something in you and it it doesn't take away the problematic elements of it but i do think there is some something to be said for that if that makes sense i don't know it's yeah a it's a recognition of the self through the other and uh like even if it's like kind of negative i feel like sometimes even 
if we recognize personal traits of ourselves in something else, we tend to automatically sympathize with it a little more, which is why a lot of uh, gay villains don't work on gay people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I guess I just, and this is, again, this is just my personality, is like, I love the trope of the gay villain, um, and I acknowledge that it is problematic and can be very harmful, um, but I... I guess, like, for me, I'm the kind of person that, like, I don't want to assimilate into what is deemed acceptable. Like, I very much like being in my own little box, and if other people want to villainize me for it, then I'm okay with that. Like, I don't feel the need to, you know, conform to, like, the... To use the Disney archetype, for example, the perfect ideal of the heterosexual prince and princess. Like, I would much rather be the villain, because I also get the best songs. So, I mean... Yes. <laughs> like, for me, I don't know. It makes me feel validated. Like, yeah, I get the coolest characters. Um, You know, I get to be, like, the monster and, like... And, yeah, like I said, I acknowledge that that's problematic as hell, but that but it still gives me a sense of comfort in the fact that I am rejecting what society wants to force on me. It's yeah. better to be the queer villain than the manic pixie dream gay best friend. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'm here so to at least stir then up... you get to dress well. Yeah, I'm here to stir up problems. I am not here to <laughs> listen to a straight boy whine about his problems. I am going to cause problems on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> well, and ideally you'd have like a reflection of reality, which is like, there's not just one type of gay person. Gay people yeah. are everywhere and can be anyone and anything. We're all around you all the time. <laughs> but um, Imagine having, yeah, a, just... having a movie that has more than one LGBT character. Wow. Oh my Imagine God. a movie that can acknowledge that LGBT identities can actually overlap. What if they had a gay trans character? Oh my god. Would gosh. that be something? Excuse me. Literally I'm I heard sorry. Literally I heard that one movie was going to have a non-binary main character and fucking just like went ape shit. <laughs> so like like the representation is like super needed and like you don't see it often if ever that like there are more than one like you know lgbt characters but like <laughs> i think it goes well it goes back to who's making the movies because like yeah um, you know, I, I think that for a lot of straight people, like, they maybe only know one or two LGBT people versus, like, mm -hmm. for us, like, we find each other and we form a community. And so, like, you know, I would say, like, the majority of my friend group is LGBT because, like, you yeah. know, we feel safer around each other. But it's also interesting because, and again, I'm so sorry if I am incorrect. I should really Google this. I think the screenwriter of this who was pushing the gay scub text was a straight person. So it's interesting that, like, there is this idea of exploring sexuality even if you don't know what that is. If you don't know mm -hmm. if you're gay or straight or bi, you should be allowed to exist in this space where you are allowed to question. You are allowed to ask and hopefully mm -hmm. in a safe space because I feel like this movie 
is a reflection of that fear when you are questioning these things and you are not in a safe space where you feel like you can. That's why I love college. And I think that's why a lot of people come out in college is you are in a space where you are asking questions about education, about identity and sexuality. So like those kinds of things, like people think college turns you gay. I'm like, no, it provides you a space where you meet new people and engage with new ideas and you are allowed to gauge with your own self a bit more. Mm-hmm. And people discover things about themselves. And I love that. Mm-hmm. But some people don't get that. And it's it can be so it, fucking it's also, hard. It's also a space where, like, you are more in control of your life than you ever have been before. Mm-hmm. Um, just because for a lot of people who end up going to college, you know, like, they don't, you know, it's like the first time they, like, live away from parents or like you know stuff like that and so like it it really is like identity away from like basically what you grew up with and so you'll you'll end up finding more about yourself like finding out more about yourself in a space where like you can you know you you're not like being looked down at as part of a family but as like a community that has been chosen for you like that you have basically chosen um yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and it's great because you get to meet so many people of different because like we said earlier there's no one way to be gay there's no way one way to view gay media it's a that like no one is part of an uh what's the word a monolith is that the word yeah yeah so I guess um, before we get too far in, uh, I'm just going to give like a really brief overview because in this case, like I'm much more interested in talking about the themes than the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street 2 obviously takes place after the events of A Nightmare on Elm Street 1. Um, a new family has moved into Nancy's former home. They have a teenage son named Jesse who keeps having nightmares about Freddy Krueger his best friend is oh what's her name um lisa yes lisa and everyone like it's kind of like uh everyone's like oh are you guys like dating they're kind of flirty with each other like they don't know really what's gonna happen there um he plays baseball and his coach is kind of an asshole and um like constantly makes him do push-ups and stuff along with this other boy named Grady who he quickly becomes friends with and um I would argue starts to form an attraction to Oh, yeah. it's also pointed out that the coach is gay and he goes to gay bars. Gay leather bars. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh eventually like Jesse's dreams get more and more realistic and um Basically, like, Freddy is trying to emerge into the real world through Jesse and manifest through him and, like, become stronger. And he wants Jesse to start killing people. So, like, he uses Jesse to kill the coach. And Jesse's just, like, super horrified by this. But he feels a lack of control, especially as he keeps trying to stay up and um, is losing sleep. And um, he starts to question his sanity. Eventually, unfortunately, he does end up killing Grady. Or I guess I should say Freddy does. Um, 
And then, like, he tries to go find Lisa for help, and Freddy wants him to kill Lisa as well. Which leads to a final confrontation, where supposedly um, Lisa is able to defeat Freddy through, yes, the power of love. That's the power of love! But then at the end, there's like a twist ending where, uh uh-oh, Freddy's been here all along! And so, (laughs) that's a nightmare. He accepted their ass. Yeah, so there's a lot going on. I think, like, we should delve into some of the more problematic aspects first. So, like, obviously, there's this kind of idea that is presented through the film that um, Jesse's struggle with his sexuality is kind of related to his struggle to um, keep Freddy from taking him over. And that supposedly, like, the love of a heterosexual relationship can defeat Freddy which is not great no <laughs> not great at all I think that except it, it doesn't question yeah except it doesn't because <laughs> like at the so, end Freddy's but I, I felt like that was more kind of a twist calling back to the first movie than them trying to make some sort of thematic statement yeah and I guess like what especially bothers me about this is that Freddy is a child predator um, yeah. and gay men are, like, always accused of being predators and, you know, sexual deviants and, like, dangerous. So, um, yeah, the fact that Freddy uses a queer man to kill is very much not good. And I think that that particular reading should definitely not go unignored, because that's... Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I guess, like, on the other side of things, you are right. (laughs) Like, at the end of the day, um, they don't end up defeating Freddy. So then a part of me is like, well, what am I supposed to get out of this movie? Like, I think, you know, and I don't think that, honestly, I don't know what the filmmakers intended. I think that there were a lot of different hands on this movie and different people probably intended different things. Um, I think another way you could look at it is that perhaps, like, it is Jesse's repression of himself that causes Freddy to take over. Um, And, like, if he were to accept himself and love himself, then, like, things might be better, I guess? Because, like, I don't know. Like, I kind of chose to view Lisa telling him, like, that she loves him, like... Not as much in a romantic sense, but in a, like, I accept you. And that perhaps, like, you know, being given love and acceptance is the answer. As a more, like, just, I guess, um, generic way instead of, like, being a romantic kind of love. I like that reading. Um, I I don't know how much I would uh, agree with it in the context of how, like, you know, the history of everything that we just talked about, but um, as, like, a personal thing, I do really like it. Yeah, Um, I I struggled with that, too, because it's interesting how Freddy seems to kill the male sexual partners, um, or the potential male sexual partners. Like, the coach is very heavily, like, he's, like, really sweat- 
Like, it is obviously, I'm not endorsing this. Like, I want to be very clear on that. The coach is an adult and he should not have been treating a child that way. But, like, it is framed in the movie that the coach, like, has, they have an attraction, mm-hmm. I think. And, well, yeah. like, the thing is, the thing about it is, though, like, the coach is, like, very much a predator, but, like, he's also the only one in the entire script who is an out gay man. Like, and that's, like, super kind of fucked up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially in the way he dies, because he is dragged, so he meets Jesse at the leather bar, and then he takes Leslie, Jesse to the school in the middle of the night and makes him run laps in front of him while he's still in his, like, leather daddy gear. And it's like, huh, okay. And then yeah. uh, Jesse goes to hit the showers, and then Freddy Krueger attacks um, and drags the coach into the shower, strips him naked in front of Jesse, who is also naked, and then whips his butt bloody with a fucking towel. And then um, I think Freddy shows up and slashes his back, and then it's Jesse, and he's wearing the glove, so it was Jesse all mm-hmm. along. And just. And then with Grady, that scene is when, after he tries to make out with Lisa, and Freddy um, literally emerges from his stomach in one of the coolest horror sequences I've ever seen, I think. That mm-hmm. is such a great image for the decades, and it's, the practical effects of it are so interesting to look at, oh, but then he yeah. kills Grady, whereas when he he's with Lisa and making out with Lisa, Freddy doesn't immediately try to kill her. He, like, wants to be with her. So I think that shame reading isn't entirely unfounded. I think there mm-hmm. is something to it. I think the writers didn't quite know how to juggle this idea of, like, shaming sexuality versus accepting sexuality and what Freddy necessarily represented. Well, I think he flip-flops so much. My my thought process is, like, because it was a, like you said, most likely a straight writer writing this is the, like, and it's during the AIDS crisis, there probably was, like, uh, incentives of, homophobia behind it a little bit (laughs) Um, yeah um yeah it's so difficult to grapple with um Mm -hmm. i mean i i also i do just want to like point out and this doesn't really change too much about like reading the film as a queer film but i do just want to throw in the possibility that like jesse could be bisexual um yeah just because i don't want to like yeah i just don't want to like discount bisexuality because i feel like movies always just like ignore it and pretend like it doesn't exist and you have to either be straight or gay yeah Um, but it's very obviously like him struggling like yeah with his attraction to men yeah with his attraction to men so um yeah, I just Especially wanted to throw bi that men, out there. I feel like get a bad shake of it too. They, they, yeah. they don't, yeah. I can't think of a single bi man. I mean, in media, I, I know some. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like bisexual men don't get a lot of representation, and like the the bisexual ter- characters we do get are usually like either portrayed really sleazy or like they're like oh i don't like labels the only one that i can think of is the guy from kimmy schmidt that that's like the only good one that i can think of wait who uh, the guy that sings the bye song on kimmy schmidt oh that's crazy ex-girlfriend oh oh <laughs> i 
very obviously I don't know my sitcoms. I'm just thinking. Okay, I, I I'm just either. thinking of the man with the mustache who plays the saxophone during a He's song about being by. bisexual. Yes, he is a fantastic representation. I do love Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah. Um, yes. But um, um, no, I think that's a really good point because yeah, I I like this idea of like just asking questions. Like Jesse doesn't even have to know. Like I know. I also know, and I'm not saying because I do think he is a gay character in some way. He's on the the alphabet mafia spectrum somewhere. Um, <laughs> but, like, there's also something to be said of, like, legitimizing straight people also experimenting and having good sexual relationships with someone of the same gender and just realizing, hmm, maybe not. Kind of like gay people, like, having a straight relationship and realizing, hmm, maybe not. Like, there's nothing, at least in my opinion, there's nothing wrong with, like, realizing something isn't for you but engaging with that idea is still important because you get to like understand what people start to feel and what attraction can mean and how it's all very fluid and it can it can change and that's not a bad thing and it's not something you should reject or be afraid of yeah i wish jesse had that yeah yeah Yeah. um like uh I mean, the thing about this movie is, like, no matter what the reading is, it's very much a product of its time. Um, In the sense that, like, either it's about a kid who really struggles with accepting his sexuality, or if it's homophobic. Like, either way, like, the, the climate of the time period was extremely homophobic, and, um the either way that you read it like you know it it's a product it's a product of like the AIDS crisis and all of that so Mm -hmm. um, yeah (laughs) one thing I want to stress and I said this a little I think we said this a little before this actor's perform I need to look up his name I feel terrible by just saying this actor um oh Mark Patton Mark Thank Patton. you. Mark Patton's performance is fantastic. And actually, Kai, I was struggling with this because I was thinking, do I like this more than the first movie? I just decided I do. Because this plot revolves around Jesse's emotional journey and mm-hmm. personal fight with Freddy. Whereas before, it was just kind of Freddy happened to be there. And there's like this revenge with the parents. So it doesn't feel like there's as much personally at stake. Like, I feel like there's something so much more sinister about someone trying to possess every part of your being and make you do terrible things as opposed to the threat of just, oh my god, he's gonna kill me. Like, this one is working on a different, more complicated level with the subtext. And I don't I don't think that excuses the, its failings or its bad implications, but I do think it makes it more interesting at the very least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my gosh, I'm looking so... I'm looking at his uh, Wikipedia page, and it says that he does apparently have, like, a lot of horror convention appearances, Mm -hmm. and he donates the money that he makes to HIV treatment groups and charities benefiting LGBT youth, which is super cool. This man is absolutely incredible. From the articles I've read about him in his interview, he's funny- And he's so open and honest about his experiences as a gay man with AIDS and going through this horrible thing and just just being a damn supportive person to his community. Because he very clearly could have walked away and never looked back. 
but he saw that gay people were responding to this and were looking up to him and saying like, you were relatable. I saw something in you that I saw in myself and that made me feel validated in some way. And he responded mm-hmm. to that and said, well, then I'm going to give you something more than this movie. I'm going to give you authenticity. I'm going to give you more validation. I'm going to give you more positivity. And I just, I think that's so damn awesome. Yeah. It's really sweet. Yeah. want to meet him yeah i think that would be fun is it bad that i want to ask him to scream because i think he has the best horror movie scream i've ever heard his like okay the scene where like he looks down and like he's wearing freddy's glove and he like screams literally like i was like this is the most amazing scream i've ever heard like his lungs like carrying it carrying it (laughs) (laughs) way to use that breath support bro (laughs) also i really like the actor who played grady i thought like he he did this great balance of kind of this sweet and kind of playing into the attraction but also like leaving it vague enough that i guess i don't know like i liked his performance i like lisa too like there's nobody in this film who I dislike their performance. Even Lisa, I think she's just she's doing her best. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah, I, I I liked that. I guess like on a technical level too. Like the reason I love this movie so much is I just think it's really fun to watch. Like um, the like you had mentioned earlier, the effects are really really good and really unique um, visually. And yeah, the acting's good. I just I I just think it's a solid horror film. It's got the right balance of like fun and scares. I think that the the subtitle is stupid. Freddy's Revenge. Yeah. Revenge against who? I mean, you I guess against kids. against the the people of Elm Street. I don't know. I just <laughs> like getting... in general don't like subtitles i'm just like call a movie nightmare 2 and be done with it because like yeah no one cares what the subtitle is but that's just my that's my feeling on it well like i mentioned this in our spiral review it's like why is it called from the book of saw saw is not a book (laughs) (laughs) from freddy krueger's personal journal What if what if like the Saw movies was like an excerpt from like scary stories to tell in the dark from Jigsaw's Wattpad? Oh from my Jigsaw- god! <laughs> <laughs> no, Michael Myers Tumblr <laughs> from a post that Michael Myers wrote that says, "Uh, I want to kill my sister." <laughs> <laughs> this movie is was actually deemed a cultural well not no not a cultural a cult film um Mm -hmm. because his performance as jesse amidst this like really campy horror movie is so authentic in that confusion and like trying to comprehend yourself that i like i just feel so damn bad for him i love him i want to 
I want to just give him a towel for his sweaty, sweaty body. He's so sweaty in this movie. <laughs> yeah, he is. Sweaty. It's like they just, like, dumped a whole bucket of water on him. I mean, as somebody who sweats when I'm afraid, I kind of appreciate <laughs> I appreciate seeing that on screen. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, the scene where he's dancing in his room while he's unpacking is... Uh, it makes me so happy. <laughs> it's so it's great. It's so good. He uses his butt to close a drawer on the beat. I yeah, mean, no, who like, hasn't done that? Like, uh, come on, we all throw dance parties in our room. That's gay culture. <laughs> I think that's just like being alive culture. Like, I yeah, I can't imagine straight people like not doing that. But I don't know. Uh, and also, I will say, Freddy Krueger is pretty intimidating in this movie. Like, I know he gets silly. He gets real silly. This movie, he ain't silly. He scares me. Except when he, like, ruined a pool party. I thought that was kind of funny. That <laughs> was kind of funny. Yeah. the hot dogs on fire and, like, boiled the pool. And I was like, this is Freddy Krueger summer camp style. He's having a hot girl summer. Good for you, Freddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Uh, good movie yeah it was a great horror Mm -hmm. i got spooked i got scared yeah i got spooked there were scares there was blood (laughs) Mm -hmm. freddy like literally climbed out of his body oh we didn't talk about dj jazzy jeff what (laughs) wait was he in this no, it's they took the line from. So there's oh right, yes. yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Fresh Prince. I was like, wait, um, did they do that song because DJ Jazzy Jeff was in this movie? But yeah, no, I was it, getting ready to believe that he was in this. I was like, wait, I don't remember. No, that. literally on my street. <laughs> <laughs> You've um, got the body, and I've got the brain. that's the line and it's in nightmare on my street and it's in this movie and jesse screams really loud because freddie pulls the skin off of his head and there's a brain underneath and that's fucked up and cool he wanted to prove it he wanted to show his receipts it's so like slapsticky yeah i do have to laugh at that scene it's so great that's, yeah. that's like when he like points at his glove and goes, this is God. I'm like, yes, I know in context, that's pretty ooky spooky. Out of context, that's a glove. <laughs> <laughs> um, Excuse me, but that's a glove. <laughs> that's a glove with I'm knives sorry. taped to it. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, my bad. I'm so embarrassed. I'm going to go home. <laughs> this, is, this is God. I mean, glove. I mean, fuck. <laughs> I need to leave. <laughs> the true fear is social anxiety (laughs) oh my god what was i going to say oh right um so apparently i read that in the scene where he like pins jesse against a wall and like seductively runs a knife finger across his face saying you've got the body and i've got the brains we're gonna work together like kind of shit um he was apparently going to stick the knife down his throat and like a makeup assist a makeup assistant like pulled him aside and was like, "Look, if you're really worried about being outed, you cannot let them do that." And he was like, "Yeah, I don't think I want to do that." Yeah. And England yeah. was like, "Okay, I'm down if you're down, but if you're not down, I won't do it." I mean, the yeah. other thing is like, I would be afraid for my throat. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Like, ouch. That would hurt. Oh, that made me remember later in the movie, one of my favorite effects is when Jesse's screaming in Grady's room and he opens his mouth and you see Freddy's eyeball. The eyeball! Yes! Oh, And then as as Freddy is, like, ripping his skin open from the inside and, like, pulling himself out and then, like, it, it, like, moves back and then you see that he's, like, he has the glove again and he killed him. Ugh! poetic cinema yes i do also want to point out um and i don't know how much accuracy there is to this because i did read it on wikipedia but apparently like robert englund was just like really sweet about like the whole like subtext of the film and he was very kind to the other mm-hmm. actor and i don't know i well, it's I because just, robert yeah. england is a goat he's greatest of all time love that man that is yeah. true <laughs> yeah, from what I've read, the most of the 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 poor reception for the actor was from the screenwriter, and I think the director a little bit, but mostly I think it was from the screenwriter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's so funny that like it's always like the actors who just play these horrible characters who are the nicest people in real life. Yeah. I feel like Robert England would be a cool guy because i think i saw an interview with him because i watched the kill count to kind of refresh my memory before we did this um where he was talking very openly about like yeah i think freddie represents like you were saying kai like this sexual shame and what it takes to deal with that and i'm like huh Mm -hmm. yeah i mean you could even tie that into the first film really because like I think that in the 80s, you just have this problem. And I mean, I think it persists today, but I think it became like a trope in the 80s of like, you know, we all know that horror trope of like the people who have sex dies and the final girl is the virgin and the pure one. And Mm -hmm. like, that's pretty problematic. And like, I think that definitely came out of this um, revival of Puritanism that started to take stronger root in the 80s and um Mm -hmm. you see that reflected on the screen obviously so i think there is like a bit of that in the first nightmare movie um not as much as like the friday 13th series which is very on the nose with it yeah um the thing that made me kind of annoyed with the friday the 13th movies is from what i have read and i am willing to be wrong um but I think that the Halloween and Nightmare did that accidentally. It was kind of responding to the culture. Like, doesn't excuse it, but I don't think it was an intentional. Friday the 13th, they were like, oh, so sex is bad. Okay, that's it. Yeah. We nailed it, yeah. guys. We did it. <laughs> go us. Yeah. Put I mean, like. mask on it and call him Pastor Chuck. I Let's mean, go. like, very specifically, they don't mention characters being virgins in Halloween or in um Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean like both of the both of the main characters in that movie I think have boyfriends or if Lori doesn't, she's also just like you know, she's just a responsible person. Um yeah. I mean I think yeah, I think like for Nightmare on Elm Street at least, I was just like and I may be remembering this wrong, but I think Nancy is we never see her have sex but like we see no, the other ha- characters yeah Nancy has a boyfriend but like yeah like the the I think the trope is just like killing people who have sex on screen which is yeah. not <laughs> great but you know 
Yeah, and, well, and I think Wes Craven, I give him credit, because in Scream, he deliberately addressed it and subverted mm-hmm. it, and I, I appreciate that, at least. Yeah. I, maybe, maybe not excuse it, but I appreciate it. I love Scream. I fucking love Scream. That's another oh, me movie, because we, we'll have to talk about the subtext of that sometime, too, because... I'll be on. I didn't see it until very recently, so I'm I'm curious about it with Billy and uh, Stan. No, Shaggy. I can't remember his character's name. Stu. Thank you. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Uh, Billy Loomis and Stu Mocker. I think. That's that's the one. That's the, and I think I can't remember. I haven't seen much about Wes Craven's response to this movie, other than he didn't like Freddy showing up at a pool party. <laughs> that's the that thing he so didn't like <laughs> right he was like, like i don't it's not scary anymore <laughs> I, I mean i don't know if i that, was at a pool party really... and freddie showed up i'd be scared <laughs> like if i was swimming and the pool started boiling i would i would yeah. be pretty spooked i mean i mean like i guess the the fear of freddie comes more from like you know being one-on-one with him you know than yeah. you know being in a public space um <laughs> yeah no i so, do it is a really silly scene yeah but also didn't Wes craven home alone freddy krueger granted i think it was before home alone came out but i don't know maybe it would have been scary if i hadn't seen home alone when nancy thompson like traps him in her house with a bunch of like nails on a door frame and stuff like that and i'm like this is very funny <laughs> I don't remember that, but maybe it's been a while since I've seen the first one. Yeah, she homes a- home alones him, and that's how she saves the day. <laughs> Amazing. <sighs> well, I think I think we're good to wrap things up. Uh, do you guys have any final thoughts? Um, I love this movie. Um, I think it's, you know, super campy and really fun to watch. Um, the, it's very much product of his time, but, you know, most 80 movies, 80s movies are. Um, so take that with a a grain of salt if you decide to watch it, but I highly recommend watching it. Yeah, I think it's a campy, gory movie with some gay aesthetics that I think is super interesting to talk about and think about. I, I, I still struggle with it, but, like, it feels like a good struggle. Like, I feel like I should be thinking about the things that it's bringing up. And I, I can appreciate that. And I really want to learn more about this actor and his experiences. And I really want to see his documentary. So I'm glad I watched it. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah, Hannah, pretty, you guys both pretty much just took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. And Freddie took the skin off of my head (laughs) (laughs) you've got the body and i've got the brains that's very much a flirty line and i've got the hips that don't lie (laughs) freddie but like no seriously that's like a really flirty line he's like telling this kid that he's got a good body (laughs) yeah i i yeah freddie pizza face motherfucker yes big bastard energy Yes. All right. Well, that being said, um, I'm not gonna close out wishing for nightmares because we don't, uh, uh, we don't want Freddy in our dreams. So, um, no. Just keep being. I gay wish out you there. butt bouncing, 
bodacious music time in your room. That's what I wish. I I hope for scenarios in which you don't feel like you need to hide yourself. Hey, that's a good one. That's I like that. Yeah. May your pride be plentiful. Yes. Yes. May your pride be plentiful. We should sign off on all of our ones for pride with that. That's a good we one. We should. 